So you have this regular guy, an ER doctor to be precise. <laughs> he has this idea for a movie. He raises the money and makes this enigma of a film, <laughs> an action film. And it goes on to become a classic and one of the biggest box office successes in history. Of course, well, not just the movie, but it becomes one of the most successful movie franchises as well. And he did this in Australia, right? So he raised somewhere around $350,000 and he made the film outside of Hollywood. But of course, now of course Hollywood didn't get it when it came out. <laughs> Hollywood was like, what is this? The critics didn't like it. Yeah, but then when they saw how much money it made, then of course everyone came around and you know Hollywood had to take credit and put their hands all over it. And yeah. <laughs> and that is the story today. Hello, my name is Tamika. And whether you stumbled upon Junkie for a Story or are here by intention, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy this video, and if you do, please give it a like and subscribe by the end of the video, and hit the bell for notifications so you won't miss new videos when they are released. And now, on to the video. Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, the wild and true story of Mad Max Fury Road by Kyle Buchanan. That is what I am talking about, okay? Now, again, I think I say this in almost every uh, video, but I picked this up at my library. <laughs> I paid for it, nothing. <laughs> but seriously, so I wasn't, this book wasn't even on my radar, and I just happened to see it in the library, and thank God for library. Cal Buchanan is a pop culture reporter. And it says here, he has, uh, I guess he has written for the New York Times and Vulture. Oh no, he's a senior editor. I'm sorry, he was a senior editor for Vulture and New York Magazine's entertainment website. So Kyle Buchanan, he's been around, okay? He's experienced and I guess well-versed in the goings-ons of Hollywood, right? <laughs> so this book tells the story of how Fury Road, which is the fourth installment, I believe, in the Mad Max franchise, how this story got made. And it is quite a story. Now, I actually, I want to say I never heard of Bad Max, but maybe I, it just kind of went over my head when people were talking about it because it's not a movie. It's not something I would keep up with. So 
Mad Max is an action movie. The first one came out in 1979 in Australia. And again, uh, the filmmaker George Miller, who is Australian, he he came up with the funds to produce this film, and he just grabbed people. It sounds like from <laughs> the streets of Australia, you know, um, to make this film. And he had a budget of three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and then it went on to make over 100 million dollars let me just double check i read that somewhere it made over 100 million but it also made the guinness book of world records for what was it yeah so it says here um george miller at 31 collected $350,000 from family, friends, and private investigators. <laughs> and he plucked Mel Gibson out of drama school. Mel Gibson, obviously, was the star of Mad Max. Um, so he got him for a steal, basically. <laughs> but where was... Maybe I wrote it down. Hold on. I know I was reading that somewhere where it was in the Guinness Book of World Records. Let me see if I wrote. Okay. Here it is. It was in the Guinness Book of Records for cost to profit ratio. Right. Because in the first few years, it returned $100 million. So it did really well. The first film uh, which was back in 1979. And then the follow-up debuted in the U.S. in 1982. You know, Hollywood had to take over. <laughs> and then he had a third one. I think that came out in 1985. What was the name of that one? Beyond Thunderdome. So there was Mad Max, the original, that came out in 1979. Then Mad Max 2, which was retitled The Road Warrior, that came out in 1982. And then the third one, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, that came out again in the U.S. It was released in 1985. And then there was some drama. Okay. Well, it wasn't like it just started after the third. So, filmmaker George Miller, he created this. He had a partner. I forgot the partner's name, but his partner, he and his partner created this Mad Max. And then the partner died. I can't think of his partner's name, but the partner died, I think, in a airplane accident or something. It was a horrific accident, and he died, and he was only in his 30s. So after that situation, George Miller had to, you know, find another partner to help him with this 
with the sequel to Mad Max. Because this is, it sounds like, as someone who has never seen the movies, it sounds like a quite a feat to take on by oneself, okay? <laughs> I would advise against it, basically. So George Miller, he had to reset and acquire some new friends, <laughs> professional friends, and, you know, work, move forward with the sequel. And then with the sequel came Hollywood and they had their rules and procedures on how they wanted stuff to be done, you know, because it was kind of like just George Miller didn't have a boss, you know, he, he was his own boss with the first movie. And then with the second and third movie, he did things Hollywood's way. He had to kind of give give up some things and, and make some compromises in order to make the studio happy. And then things got real ugly. <laughs> it sounds like in the 80s, no, I would say the 90s, I think, is where he was talking about George Miller. <sighs> he was just having issues with the studio. He had his vision and of course the studio had their their monetary vision. <laughs> you know, so, you know, they and then George Miller, I didn't know, he is the director of Happy Feet and Pig, I think. Pig. But one of, I think one of the pig movies was successful and then the second one wasn't. And so that kind of left a stench in Hollywood's. It left a bad taste in their mouths, Hollywood execs. So they weren't too keen on giving him millions of dollars to make this fourth installment in the Mad Max. And also, so this was the 90s into the 2000s. Basically, a lawsuit happened, okay? And that is discussed in this book, okay? <laughs> I forgot who, who had it. Was it Warner Brothers? Okay, if I'm wrong, I will put that, I will make the correction. Okay, it looks like. It was Warner Brothers. Okay, so he was dealing with Warner Brothers and they tried to basically force George Miller out of the franchise and just <laughs> carry on without him. <laughs> and so George Miller ended up, he, he had the last straw, okay? And he was like, okay, I'm gonna fight back. Okay, you will not... <laughs> take my creation from me, okay? So he ended up going to court and he got the rights back to Mad Max. And it took it took several, several, several years. For a while, he was a little, it seemed like George Miller was a bit despondent or something like he, he just wasn't so enthusiastic about jumping back into the ring right and making that fourth movie but then 
he started to slowly come around and get ideas and get excited about the movie again. And so it sounds like Fury Road. <laughs> it, it was like 20 something years in the making. I mean, he had certain people, certain actors already cast for the fourth movie, but then certain people moved on. Certain people thought it was done and they would never get made. So they went on and did other things. <laughs> One person who he was, it sounds like he was certain of was Charlize Theron. And he said, <laughs> now as someone who has never seen this, I, I don't know what she did with the movie, but she was, she played for Furiosa and it sounds like she was amazing, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, he he seemed to have always wanted Charlize for that role. And I found it interesting because he was talking about how he wrote a prequel to help Charlize get into character and understand and relate to the character of Furiosa. I found that interesting that he took the time to write a prequel just but he, he, he said, it, I, I believe he said to Charlize, or maybe he was just saying in general, but he said he knew nothing would come of it, but he just wrote it because he knew it would help her. And then his way of filmmaking is quite interesting. So I would recommend this book to aspiring filmmakers and screenwriters and just film creators because it was quite interesting he's he said that the it sounded like they didn't even have a screenplay if I'm remembering correctly they didn't write a screenplay and they would just use storyboards to tell the story right and then whenever <laughs> whatever studio execs would visit you know to see how whatever progress had been made they would ask, you know, okay, so what is so-and-so going to do in this scene here? And they would say, uh, you, did you see the storyboard? <laughs> and it was so funny because the people on the outside trying to figure this thing out, they would always ask the same questions. Well, what is he going to say here? And what is she going to do here? And then they're basically trying to say, where's the script? <laughs> and they would say, it's it's in the storyboard. <laughs> that was the answer for everything. Okay, it's in the storyboard. Okay. <laughs> and it's just George Miller is one of a kind. Okay. And like I said, his way of filmmaking is fascinating. So even if you're not like an aspiring film maker, if you're just a film aficionado, if you're just someone who loves films like myself, you might enjoy this story as well. And even if you don't, even if you've never watched the movies, I think you can still enjoy this story because it's quite fascinating to hear the different people who are a part of the movie, hear them reflect on being in that environment and the things that went on, I mean, it was quite dangerous, too, the filmmaking process. I mean, <laughs> it was quite 
dangerous at times and just hearing the stories. So basically Kyle will, you know, break up a subject. Each chapter is devoted to a specific, I would say, subject matter that happened. Not necessarily a person, but maybe it's not even a person or a time period. It's just a certain subject. For example, one of the chapters was about the war boys. Um, and then one of the chapters was about finding the new Mad Max, you know, because of the situation with Mel Gibson. So Mel Gibson was in, I think, the first three, I'm thinking. And then, you know... It, also, because so much time had passed, Mel Gibson got old. And so, as one does, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it just didn't go with the story to have someone his age be in that role. So then they went with, um, I mean, they, they were looking at a couple of different actors before going with, I think his name is Tom Hardy. Is it Tom Hardy? <laughs> Oh, wait, I think it says it. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Okay, so some of the people, like I said, each chapter, it will focus on a certain subject matter related to the making of the movie. And then Kyle Buchanan, he lets the different people who were involved in the movie, either the actors or, you know, producers or cast and crew, what, what have you, he will let them speak on it. So um, there's Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, uh, Nicholas Holtz, Zoe Kravitz, the filmmaker, uh, George Miller. And I think this person was one of the wives, Abby Lee. I think she was one of the wives. But there's a lot of people mentioned in this book and a lot of people who provide commentary about the different things that went on. And it was interesting to learn about, they were talking about some of the people who was being considered for some roles. Um, Eminem was considered at one time for, to be in the, the starring role as Mad Max, which... <laughs> Uh, I'll keep my opinions to myself, but he was considered and the late Brittany Murphy gave him a glowing review. So, you know, because I, I guess George Miller, he asked her what she would think of him, of Eminem being in the movie. <laughs> I thought, you know what? Anyway, so, and then there was Rihanna. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know this movie, so I guess maybe I sh I shouldn't even have an opinion. Maybe she would have been fine. I don't even know this movie, so <laughs> it was quite an interesting story about the behind the scenes of what all was happening. I did want to read one of the quotes. Now, it sounds like Charlize and Tom had some friction. <laughs> they, I mean, it, it sounds like it wasn't a smooth 
ride for them. <laughs> and then they brought on a producer type mediator, a female to um, sort of mediate and mitigate, I guess, that friction. Okay, so I wanted to read Charlize, what she said about, I mean, I find it different that she was in this movie, but I mean, I guess I don't really, I'm trying to think, I guess I don't know her resume all that well. <laughs> this, from what I read, it didn't sound like something she would be in. But this is what she had to say about the Mad Max franchise. So Charlize says, I was raised on a farm and I was also raised in a country where I was kind of surrounded by violence. Watching the violence of Mad Max felt very visceral, very real, very connected to my environment. I wasn't scared by it. I remember kind of being in awe of it. Which, it sounded a bit strange to me, but that's how she put it. So, they speak about her, the cast and crew, and George Miller. Everyone speaks of her like she was in her element, it sounds like, to be in this in this role. But also, her relationship with the war boys, she would engage with them and... She she seems to really have stepped into that role and just took it on completely. I did also want to mention there was some crazy auditions. Again, I won't go into details because I'm already this is getting kind of long. But there was not not just the auditions for the actors, but for like the assistant director or someone. There was a couple of camera guys who were talking about weird auditions. <laughs> so George Miller has a very weird way of acquiring his crew, okay? <laughs> and again, you can read all about it in this book, okay? I'm not going to tell you everything, but it was a fun read. I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. And I mean, I kind of went back and forth between the book and the audio book. I mean, either way... I would say is fine. I liked reading the book, but also the audio book was pretty entertaining as well. So yeah, I would recommend this and I had a good time reading it. Okay. Now I do have a link in the description to my bookshop. And so if you want to get more details about this book, you can just click the link. It is an affiliate link, just to be clear. But yeah, Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, How Buchanan. I like these kind of books, I must say. But I'm wondering, do y'all think Charlize, was she snubbed for that Oscar? I think they said she, she got a nomination, but it looks like the Academy, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the Academy wouldn't give an Oscar to someone for an action film. Especially a woman. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to get out of here. So, 
like, comment, subscribe if you choose. And yeah, tell me what you think about Charlize and that Oscar situation because they brought that up how they felt like she should have gotten an Oscar. But also they mentioned that she's not real cozy, you know. She's not the type to kind of butter up to the board, I guess the academy, the, the people who decide who gets the, the, the people who vote on who wins the Oscar. So she she's not that type. That may have played a role in who got, who ended up winning the Oscar. I'm going to get out of here. I've been talking for a while now. I will catch you in the next one. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I appreciate you. And I'm out. Bye.